Welcome to The Journey to Worthy, a feel-good podcast for women who are on a powerful journey to self-love. And wait a minute, hold on. While most of that's true, we all know the journey is not always rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes it's really tough. That's why on this podcast, you'll hear real, raw, and mostly unedited stories about the complex journey to finding self-love. I'm your host, Rachel Spencer. After battling an eating disorder and finally realizing my own self-worth, I'm here to help you see that no matter how difficult your journey is, you've been worthy all along. Hello, my loves. Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming a very special guest, Jessica Rothley. Jess, also known as Holy Healed on Instagram, is a certified eating psychology coach who specializes in functional endocrinology. Jess, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh, me too. I was particularly excited to have you as a guest because although we both promote self-love and body acceptance, you don't just motivate others uh, to love themselves. You use science and psychology to help us understand why we think and feel the way that we do about our bodies. And I thought that that was really interesting and something that a lot of our listeners could really learn from. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey and why you have such a passion for what you do? Yeah. So, um, okay. So long story short, um, I, like most women, I grew up and I had body image issues in my, in my teens, you know, right around puberty. And I actually developed a full-blown eating disorder when I was in high school into early college. And um, in my recovery process, you know, I developed a lot of physical symptoms. So not only was I experiencing the psychological and emotional mental toll that an eating disorder provided, but I was experiencing a lot of hormonal issues. I lost my period. I had no sex drive. I was tired all the time. You know, my digestion was a mess. My hair was falling out. Like I was cold all the time. I was experiencing all of these symptoms that were physical um, examples of the consequences, you know, of what was happening with my um, restrictive eating. And I was going in recovery to this doctor and that psychiatrist. And I was going to all of these professionals and, you know, the endocrinologist wanted to give me a birth control pill to help regulate my periods. And then the psychiatrist told me I was depressed and wanted me to take, um, antidepressants. And I felt like none of them were, which none of those things, the birth control pill or antidepressants are the point of this. My point is that I felt like my care was very segregated and I felt like they weren't seeing the issues, like they weren't seeing me for a whole person, which was that I had an eating disorder and that in of itself was a coping mechanism. And I had all these things and that was manifesting in physical symptoms. And um, I needed someone who could look at me and my whole context and my whole picture and say, oh, you know, this is all connected. Like you need integrative help. And I didn't really find that. Um, so I decided to do that. And so I have a BA in neuropsych. And then I went on to be certified in, as an eating psychology coach. And then I went on to study under functional endocrinologists to get hands-on training in women's hormones. So I essentially work um, with women in that post-dieting, post-restrictive eating, post-eating disorder phase where 
we're trying to heal not just your emotions, not just your mental and emotional relationship with food, but your body as well, because they both need care and you need someone who understands both the psychology and the biology of what's happening. Mm, That's so good. And can you kind of explain like what is endocrinology? Like how does that play into it? So the endocrine, the endocrine, the can I, can I speak? <laughs> the endocrine system, sorry. It's been a long day. The endocrine system is essentially your hormone system. So your hormones are messengers in the body. And they, I mean, they, we're not just talking about estrogen and progesterone and periods. We're talking about, you know, relates to anxiety. We're talking about it relates to your ability to have energy, your mood, um, feeling stable, literally everything, hormones, power, um, the functions of every single part of your body. And so um, when I'm talking about endocrinology, I'm talking about not just female health, but like your quality of life, you know, fertility and period, periods being regular and your ability to sleep and your ability to have energy to do the things that you want to do. Um, so it really is, it's, it's a specialized field, but when we're talking about women's health, it, it is the field, you know? Yeah, no, seriously. Well, I kind of want to take a step back to whenever you were in the midst of your own eating disorder and you said that you started having all of these hormonal issues and when was the point whenever you realized that it was a big problem and you needed to visit a specialist? Because I know that for a lot of us, including myself, whenever you're deep in your eating disorder, it's hard for you to admit that you have a problem. So what was that like for you? So it's really interesting that you asked this question because I think that one of the biggest problems with women when it comes to hormone health is that we don't know what healthy hormones looks like. Like we don't know what having balanced um, normal hormones looks like because so many of us actually have hormonal imbalances and we have no idea. Um, I didn't have a period for most of the time I got my period, it was regular. And then I lost it because I was restrictively eating. Um, I had severe cystic acne. Um, I had massive anxiety, like really crippling anxiety. I could barely sleep at night. Um, my weight would fluctuate very easily, you know, and I thought, Oh, it was just, you know, metabolism thing. And it's just genetics. But my body was sending me signals all the time that it was unstable and that it was not safe. And it wasn't until I actually was as an undergrad and um, I was taking a lot of biopsych courses that I was realizing, oh, not only were hormones so massively important, but they are supposed to be messengers in the body body telling you when something is wrong. And I had this like eye-opening moment when I realized that my body had been sending me signals all along that I was not listening to or I was pretending that it was normal, or I was looking around to girls around me and they didn't know any better. And so they were like, oh yeah, sometimes my period goes missing too. It's whatever. Like, oh, just, you know, well, I'm on the pill. So like I have a regular period anyway, so I don't really care about that. And that, you know, like I was just surrounded by women who are disconnected with their body and I was a woman disconnected with my body. And so like, it was like the blind leading the blind. You know what I mean? Like I like, we both like none of, none of us know. And, and that's still so prevalent. I think in today's culture, especially when you're talking about like teenage girls, a lot of them have no idea what's happening and there's just a lack of education there. And so for me, it was, it was education. It was learning more about my body and realizing, oh my God, like these things aren't just, you know, nuance or annoyances or things that just randomly happen. Like they're, they're trying to tell me something. And, and now, um, I can use my hormones and I can use my cycle and I can use, um, 
so many different symptoms to tell me, oh, I'm not eating enough or, oh, you know what? I'm too stressed out or, you know what? I'm not taking enough care of me, you know? And when you kind of hone into that and you know what to look for, uh, it's, it's incredible. The body's the best feedback system. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the symptoms that somebody might have whenever they're like, okay, my body's trying to tell me something? Yes. Okay. So it's, it's a little broad because different imbalances will manifest uh, itself in different symptoms. But one of the best ways as a woman um, to use as a barometer, one of the best things is actually your cycle. So if you have a cycle that is missing, irregular, extremely painful, heavy, you're clotting, your PMS is that which is interfering with your everyday life, or you have a period that is interfering with your everyday life, that is not necessarily normal. Like that's not a sign of a healthy um, cycle. And a lot of us scratch it up to being a girl. We scratch it up to being a woman and, oh yeah, like one week out of the month, I'm basically bedridden. Like, no, you, you don't, you don't need to live like that. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, and so your cycle is one of the best ways to know that, you know what, there's something deeper going on. It's like, the best gift to women to figure out what's going yeah. on. Well, and I feel like whenever we have a bunch of those symptoms, cause I'm one of those people, actually, I I've had some, you know, horrible periods and I've, I've definitely turned to medication or should I switch pills? And I never really thought about the fact that my body's actually trying to tell me something and that it might not be, you know, strictly medication that I need. Of course, if I need some Tylenol or something to help my symptoms, that's one thing, but I can't always turn to medication. So what was one of the things that you did to start to get your hormones back on track? So this is a great question. Um, and I'm going to go back a little bit because this is going to help understand. So as the, as the female body, we are pretty much primed to do one thing, and that is to make children. Now, whether you want to make children or not, that's totally up to you, but your biology is primed for that job. Um, and in our body, unlike men who really, their body is primed for survival, our body is primed not only for our survival, but the protection of the, pos- the possible developing fetus. So it sees everything, and I'm talking everything, in the lens of What's going to be safe and what's not going to be safe and how do I react accordingly? So women compared to men have stress tolerances that are a lot lower. We're more sensitive and we react a lot more strongly to internal and environmental stressors, period. And that's because we're designed that way. Um, It's just for the protection of a possible baby. Because if you think about it, it's really smart. There's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus that basically senses threat in the environment, whether that's your internal environment like thoughts or your external environment like major pollution or a toxic relationship or five o'clock traffic, whatever, any kind of stress. And it says, oh God, this is stressful. This is not the time to be making a baby. So they turn around and go down your HP access, and which is basically like the line of communication and say like, yo, we're not having a baby. And so all of a sudden, there's this entire domino effect that can shut down progesterone, that will upregulate cortisol, and it'll compete for your female sex hormones. And there's all these things that happen in the body. And it's, you know, a lot of people say, oh my God, that's so annoying. But really, your body's just protecting you. Like that's what it's, it's saying. It's not safe to make a baby. I don't want to be put in that situation. So we're just going to shut it down. But what happens is, when we are stressed all the time, our progesterone gets off, thrown off balance, our cortisol is too high, and you end up getting all these hormonal symptoms that are chronically there from being stressed all the time. And what this looks like 
can be normal, quote unquote, normal stress, like, oh, I'm really busy and I don't sleep. But it can also be, I have negative thoughts about my body running through my mind all the time. It can be, I'm over-exercising and I'm not eating enough. It can be, I'm in a toxic relationship. It can be years and years of never feeling like you are good enough and having that be the narrative that runs your life. It's very stressful. And the funny thing about the brain is, and the funny thing about the endocrine system is, it reacts just as strongly to the thoughts in your mind as it does like actual happenings in the world. So if I was getting chased by a tiger, I would have the same response than if I was like, verbally assaulting myself in my brain about my worth and what I look like. And we don't realize that like our brain, our thoughts are our environment. They are the biggest stressors and the biggest hurdles we have to overcome when it comes to not just hormone health, but quality of life, you know? So number one, that's a very long answer to that question. But my number one answer is managing stress. Stress is the antithesis of balanced hormones, fullness of life, like and health in general. Um, and stress, it's important to realize because everyone knows, oh yeah, stress is really bad. But do you know that the way you talk to yourself and, you know, restrictively eating and trying to shrink your body is a stressor? A lot of us don't. Yeah. No, it's crazy actually, because a lot of the time, like whenever you go to the doctor, for example, I just went to the doctor yesterday and they said, you know, the first thing they said, once I told them my symptoms, they said, well, have you been stressed? And I said, no, of course not. Cause you know, we're always like, no, life's great. Life's grand. And then they're like, okay, well, have you been feeling this way? Yes. Have you been having trouble with this? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So my body's been trying to tell me that I'm stressed and I didn't even realize it. So it's so crazy how our body can send us so many signals and we don't even realize it, which is why I think this is super important so that we have an idea of what to look for. But I want to go back to what you said about how stressors can come in the form of the way we talk about ourselves um, and talk to ourselves. Cause, and that was such a good example. Being chased by a, tar- by a tiger can um, be the same amount of stress as the negative thoughts that are going on in your head and the mean things that you say about yourself. Because it's so true that we don't realize that just looking in the mirror and picking ourselves apart for five minutes can actually be such a stressor and just the way you're describing it you know our bodies are so interesting and honestly beautiful but it can be really confusing trying to navigate all of that and all of the changes so I guess for someone who is going through these hormonal issues and trying to start to have more positive thoughts about themselves if they realize this is adding to their stress, what would you say is one piece of advice for starting to, I guess, be gentler with themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Number one, first and foremost, is to carve out space to intentionally be still and like be with Mm -hmm. oneself. Um, Biologically speaking, there's obviously benefits to that because you're calming yourself down. You're switching out of that fight or flight, you know, state of your nervous system to the other rest and digest. And that's where healing happens. That's where all of the goodness that we want happens for health. But on a basic level, in today's society, you know, busyness and going and going, going is praised. And so just like what you were saying, you don't know you're stressed. You don't know that you're under attack from yourself because we don't even give ourselves time to know that. And this is exactly what happens. Have you ever like been so busy and so stressed? You've been running, running, running. And then the second you slow down, you get sick. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's exactly what happens because we don't even give ourselves time to really think about our body or, or check in and see how it's going. And so 
one of the best things you can do is create the environment to begin to facilitate that language and communication with your body. Because when I say things like, oh, listen to your body and, and check in, to someone who doesn't know how to do that or that's just so foreign, they're like, um, I'm sorry, what? Like, like what does that even look like? And, and if you want that communication and you want that relationship and that trust to be built with your body, you have to create the environment where it will thrive. And it will not thrive with you being crazy busy, with you running yourself ragged, with you, you know, foregoing self-care to be there for other people or, or stay up too late. You know what I'm saying? Like it won't, it won't just happen. You have to give it the room to grow and thrive. And the best thing you could do, like I said, is to carve out time for that. For me, it's going to therapy. For me, it's journaling at night. For me, it's meditating in the morning. You know, whatever it is for you, whatever you can make do, give yourself time to be still. Give yourself kind of the space, I guess, is what I'm saying for you to actually start to feel like what it is to listen to your body. Yeah, that's something that we definitely don't let ourselves do often enough. There's some sort of stigma around slowing down. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know where that came from, but that's something that's been very prevalent in my life as well. It's like if you're not hustling, you're doing it wrong. So the second that you try to sit still and practice self-care, you know, sit in the bath or even just like sitting down and watching a movie, you feel guilty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 guilt and it's also I've noticed a lot of people they don't like being still with themselves because there's a lot of unprocessed emotion, loneliness, trauma that will come up. And how many times have we been alone and immediately like turned on a podcast or music or TV just because we couldn't be with the silence? Right. And if that's you, I, that's like the best sign to actually lean into that. You know what I mean? Like the, the where you're resisting, you most likely need it the most, you know? Yeah. Where you're feeling most uncomfortable for sure. Well, I want to ask you a question. I saw in your highlights earlier, you were going on a rant, a rant being a funny, a good thing, um, a rant <laughs> against um, somebody saying that um, uh, looking at a, um, a fat body and saying that they needed to be healthier. Mm-hmm. And you went kind of on a rant how you were like, first of all, that's not your place. Second of all, you can't tell anything about anybody's health just from looking at them. Can you kind of kind of walk us through that and how you feel about that statement yeah. and how mm-hmm. health does not go along with uh, what somebody looks like on the outside? So totally. Okay. So there, there's a couple points to this. So um, a, a really big issue we have now um, in today's society is this idea of like health policing other people and shaming people when we think that they're not being healthy or they're eating something that we don't deem healthy or we see someone in a larger size body because in today's society, we, we have really massive inherent weight stigma and People in larger bodies, we demonize and we have all these stereotypes on them that they're lazy or that they don't work hard or that they're automatically unhealthy and therefore they are inferior to those that are thin and and quote unquote healthy because we tie the gap there. And and a lot of this is rooted in that diet culture messaging that if you have like body fat is inherently unhealthy and that the thinner you are, the healthier you are. And so that's the lie that's kind of pervasive. And then out of that, we get everybody judging based on health. It's become the new beauty standard. We get to tell people that they're not good enough or that they're worse because they're not pursuing health or we don't think that they're healthy, right? And, And the bigger issue that this kind of came from was 
when women and the reason where this rant came from was women, you know, on Instagram and larger bodies, like posting pictures of themselves, you know, in a bathing suit or, and just like celebrating their body and people saying things like, Oh, you're promoting obesity or mm-hmm. oh, so unhealthy oh, or right. all these things like, and here's, here's where this, like, here's the basic issue. It is a fundamental human right to be able to exist in your body without being attacked. Like that should not even be in question. Mm -hmm. People should not have to worry about walking down the street and just existing and have to worry about being attacked of, oh my God, you're so unhealthy. You're promoting this. Just because of the body that they live in. It is absolutely ridiculous. And when people try to say, oh, but I'm just telling you this because I'm concerned for your health. You know, you really got to lose weight. I'm just concerned for your health. It's not a health issue. It's a human rights issue. And a lot of times we have no concern for other people's health. We're just using that as a way to pass judgment. And when it comes to being able to judge health based on someone's appearance, which is what I also talked about in the rant, biologically speaking, which is something that people don't, you know, we don't talk about enough, body fat is not inherently unhealthy. As a matter of fact, for women's health, having a sufficient level of body fat has been connected to better levels of estrogen, fertility, and more stable periods. And it's protective. Body fat is not the demon that everyone makes it out to be. And that is a massive issue because we have come to a place in society where we think we can look someone up and down and say you're healthy or you're not healthy. And then go a step further and say, if you're, if I don't think that you're healthy, I get to tell you and I get to make you feel bad about it and I get to pass judgment on you. And so there, it's, it's, it's kind of a multifaceted issue that one, health is not defined by your size. It's defined by quality of life. It's defined by lab work. It's defined by a presence or non-presence of symptoms. It's defined by things people cannot see all the time. People cannot see your inside. People cannot see these things. And furthermore, no matter what someone's health is or isn't, like no matter what their health status is, it never gives us the right to make them feel inferior or to attack them ever, ever. That's it. Yes. No, rant, rant, rant. Yes. I love it. No, I love that. It's not actually a health issue at that point. It's a human rights issue. When we start food policing people, telling them what they can and cannot eat, what they can and cannot look like to be healthy, our version of healthy. And you know, that goes back to the BMI as well. I was talking about this yesterday whenever I went to the doctor and I told the nurse that I didn't want to see my weight. And she said, okay. And then she said it out loud and it was an instant trigger for me. But then after the appointment was over, she also handed me a sheet of paper that showed me my weight and my BMI. And so I went on my own little rant about this and somebody messaged me. um, One of my friends who's extremely fit, she was on her college volleyball team, um, but she's six, five with a lot of muscle. So by the BMI scale, she's overweight, she's obese. And that is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, what, what can we do whenever we live in a world where there's, we can't do anything right. It's like, we try to gain more muscle. We try to do every, we try to, you know, have our bodies be strong. And, and we're told that our BMI is too high and that we're still not good enough. This is why I practice, my practice is all in health at every size, which is essentially exactly what we're talking about. It's this idea of, you know, when we talk about health, we talk about health promoting behaviors. We talk about mental health. There is never a reason, scientifically speaking, and also just 
personally speaking, that the weight should ever be the cornerstone of helping improve someone's health, right? Um, And that is exactly like what you just said. Your experience is exactly why. Because when you focus on weight and you focus on, oh, you know, someone comes into the doctor's office in a larger body and they say, oh, I'm experiencing this. Oh, you know, you just have to lose weight. You just have to lose weight. It creates unethical care that isn't actually getting to the root of the problem. And it creates massive inherent weight stigma all throughout doctor's office all over the country. Right, right. And there's just such a lack of education. And, you know, I feel like this is a great segue into another part of your business that you started, a hashtag specifically that is kind of becoming something even larger and is a t-shirt brand now, um, My Plate, My Business. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I run a series on my Instagram called Taboo Tuesdays. And so I basically like talk about, um, women's health issues or, you know, body acceptance issues that are tend to be taboo. And we kind of just like dig into them. And one of them was this idea of, you know, if it's my plate, then it's my business and kind of going and talking about food policing. Um, and it's, we see it like we've all been there. It can be, you know, family members on Thanksgiving dinner telling us, oh, wow, you're going up for seconds or, oh, that's a lot of mashed potatoes. Interesting, you know, or, or even being more blatantly, you know, insulting than that, you know, and I've been trying to beat around the bush or we go out and I have friends, you know, in a variety of different size bodies and my friends in larger size bodies get shameful looks for eating something that could be the exact same thing on my plate. But because I don't live in a larger size body, I don't get shamed for it. Right. It's this idea of, At our core, um, we think women's bodies are like public forum topics. And because we associate, you know, what we eat and diet culture, you know, what you're eating, you should always be eating to try to manipulate your body size and become smaller. You know, that's the culture we live in. It's like if you're not actively trying to stay thin or be thin, then what are you even doing? You know, as a woman, it's like, what are you doing? So we look at people's food choices as that food is not something that they do to in, to fuel themselves or enjoy community or do all these fun things, but it's only for body manipulation. And because we view women's bodies as something that belongs to everyone, we think we can comment on it and therefore comment on what they're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really about the hashtag, you know, it became this shirt, you know, that now like people wear to family dinners and people wear out. And it's this, this really awesome tea that like, I didn't realize it would be as big as it's it a is. Statement. It is a statement. It is. It, it just says my play, my business. <laughs> bold, and I love it. Um, but it really is. It's about so much more than your play. It's this idea that like we, as women I'm like refusing to stay small and I'm refusing to let other people convince me that my purpose in life is to be small and what I do with my body, what I do with my life and what I eat is nobody's business, but my own. Um, And so we see that reflected every single day when you eat, like who's running the show or are other people expectations running the show when you eat and when you decide what to put in your body or are you, you know, are you listening to your body? You're listening to other people. And so that's really kind of the movement behind my plate, my business. And it means a lot to me because it's obviously about so much more than your plate, you know? Yes. Yes. And this like obsession with having to be smaller or be any type of, you know, body or person outside of yourself. I actually, I said a quote yesterday that said, I'm worthy of the space that I take up in this world because constantly like just walking down the street, I'll find myself like sucking in my stomach or like tightening, you know, my ab muscles or something like that. Or if my, you know, gut is pooching over my pants, that's a bad thing. And I need to go change. And 
it's like, that's something that's been around for so long and it's been ingrained into our heads, not just by the people around us, but by the media as well. And, you know, coming into the holiday time, you know, even like November, December, even like January and February, whenever people are on this health kick and stuff, and they are going to be worried about what's going on, you know, on their plate and trying to be smaller and worried about families during the holidays and binging and stress. So I guess my question for you is, as somebody who's certified in eating psychology, how can somebody who is, you know, a chronic dieter or somebody who binge eats over the holidays, like how can they, what are some tips that they can keep in mind during that time? That's a great question. So one of the best things to realize, and this goes not just for the holiday season, but forever is, you know, real health comes internally, but we have been raised to believe that everything health considered is from external sources. So we read books to tell us what to eat and how to eat. And we look up how to work out and we look up how to live. And we look outside externally for other people to tell us how to pursue health. And the fact of the matter is that real health actually comes from being very in tune with your body and listening to what it's asking for. That is genuinely what we see is achieving real health results and, and people living long and healthy lives is the ability to be and live in your body and respect it and give it what it needs. And you will not do so as long as you are filled with the voices of other people, cultures and diet voices in your head telling you exactly how to live and what to eat. Mm, and yeah. That's really important. yeah. So that's really important to realize because oftentimes going into this season, we're filled with worries that have to do with, you know, stigmas about, Oh my God, I'm about to, binge on this sugar because I'm addicted to sugar because sugar is addictive because I heard it on that one po podcast one time. And, oh my God, I can't eat this food. Like this food's terrible for me. Remember I read it in that one blog post, but you know, like we all have these weird stigmas and like beliefs that we have about food and health and all of these things. And then what happens is January 1st, we all sign up for a new program or we sign up, we get a new book and we're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pursue health. And all this time, the source of health, which is your body has been ignored has been ignored and pushed to the side um, in favor of other people's expectations. Because when we're being completely honest with ourselves, like the diet, like the health industry has been taken over by the diet industry. And so a lot of the health quote unquote information, people that are out there are actually just pushing diet culture in a prettier box. Right. It's like, I wish that they would stop brainwashing us because we see those ads and we see, you know, that we should get healthier, but it's actually all a disguise for diet culture. And it can get really scary. I, by the way, I'm sorry, where can people purchase the shirts? My, oh. my <laughs> yes, I know. If you want to be bold this Thanksgiving, um, I highly recommend purchasing a shirt. Actually, proceeds go towards supporting Weave, which is a nonprofit in Sacramento that helps rehabilitate victims of um, sex trafficking. So it's a really, really cool cause and shirt, and you just win win. Um, you can find it on my website at holyheal.com. It's right there, it's like right on the homepage. Perfect. So. <laughs> Amazing. And adding on to that, so if somebody wanted to work with you, can you talk to us a little bit about what that would look like? And how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, so I do coach clients one on one. Um, I do it in seasons, and I do have limited spots, but it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I have essentially a 
a program that I take people through. And, and, and what we realize is, you know, the foundation of eating psychology is that your relationship with food is really a mirror for your relationship in life. And it's a mirror for so many things. And when people come to me and they want to heal things like binge eating, or they want to heal things like their relationship with their food and body image, we end up going into other areas of their life because we realize that it's never about the food. And as long as you are working on your worth, you will find that your relationship with food and body image and your, you know, your role in work, it all changes because it's from that root that everything comes out of. And so I go through clients and we talk about a wide variety of things. Um, so that's really, really cool. And so that's kind of what my work looks like. Um, and you can find me. Did you ask where you can find me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to just volunteer that information. Um, yes, please. You can find me at holyhealed.com, whole, like a whole pie, or on Instagram at holyhealed. Perfect. Yeah, you are so awesome. Everybody should definitely go follow her on Instagram regardless. She has some awesome things to say, and I love Taboo Tuesdays, <laughs> you know, the things that other people are afraid to talk about, not Jess. Um, <laughs> I have no fear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, before we get off here, I just want some... Um, I want to give you some rapid fire questions. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Yes. <laughs> well, there, I mean, only a few. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Favorite food? Sweet potatoes. Ooh, yummy. Favorite account to follow? Oh, crap. That's a hard one. Oh, my God. Oh, um, Jamie. What's her name? Jamie. She founded Iway. Jamie. Jamie something. Do you know her? No. She's the actress. <laughs> She's like, it's like, she has a last name that starts with a J and her first name starts with a J. So I'm like, Jim, Jim. Um, <laughs> but she's an actress and she founded a really famous account called I Weigh and women send, I in pictures. Yeah, women send in pictures of themselves and they like write all the things that define them that are not their weight. And it's super awesome. And so she's like a body positive activist. That's also an actress. And I just think it's so cool. That account is at I Weigh, W-E-I-G-H. Yes. Perfect. Okay. And favorite mantra? That was kind of a hard one. Ooh, that is a hard one. Um, hmm. Probably, I deserve to take up space. It's classic. Oh, so good. So good. Classic, but just applies to like literally everything. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about the best piece of advice you ever received? Hmm. Uh, my mom used to say, God, I, I don't like rapid fire questions anymore. Those are so hard. <laughs> I, was well, like, I guess they weren't really rapid fire questions. Rapid fire would be like, what's your favorite color? Like, what's exactly. your dad? I was like, <laughs> all the last. I'm like, oh my God, these are such a ha, ha. I know. Okay. So my favorite piece of advice, this, so this is interesting. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it really did stick out to me. My, my mom always used to say, people won't remember what you looked like or what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And that always stuck out to me because it's so true. Like people, what sticks with people is how you make them feel. And something about me that I am characterized by, by my friends, but I've also always tried to be is someone who makes people feel comfortable and free in my presence. Um, and that is just like always been kind of the pillar of one of like one of my life's pillars. And it's just, it's so important to me that we really think about how, we make other people feel in our presence. And I want that to always be empowering and free. Mm, I love that. And what's your new dog's name? Kevin. 
Kevin. <laughs> yeah, his name is Kevin. He was named after Kevin Malone from The Office for all of you Office fans out there. Love it. Um, yeah, he's he's like the light of my life. He's fantastic. Uh, he's the light of my life too, and I don't even know him. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Everybody, go watch her stories. Kevin is probably on there every day. Yes. yes. <laughs> all right, and then the very very last thing is. What would be the number one piece of advice for our listeners who are on that journey to self-love and food freedom and just finding worthiness? Oh, the, yeah, that's such a good question. So my, my, my biggest piece of advice is to realize that progress is not linear. Mm-hmm. And so many times um, the process is actually the deconstruction and the undoing and feeling like you're doing it wrong and feeling like you're not making progress and feeling lost and, and feeling like WTF, what's happening? that is a part of the process. It's all a part of the process. And, and if there's one thing I wish I would have known that I want your listeners to know, it is that progress looks different for everyone. And the last thing you need amidst struggle is shame for feeling the way you do. Mm. So accept feelings, feel them and release them and let go of the shame for feeling human or it not looking exactly like you expect it to look because everyone's journey looks different. Oh my God. So good. I'm going to tear up. Oh, thank you so, <laughs> so much, Jess, for being here. Um, again, for everybody who wants to find her, holyhealed.com or holyhealed on Instagram. Um, thanks so much for being here again. Um, it was such a joy to have you. Thank you for having me. And to all of our lovely listeners, thank you for letting us be part of your journey. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you really loved it, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave me a positive review on iTunes. For more self-love inspo, body acceptance, and mental health support, come follow me over on Instagram. You can find me at MyCoachRachel. See you next time.